0: And thank you to Dr. Bob. Uh, most of you know we have six worship leaders here at Calamesa, and I don't know how it quite happens, but Dr. Bob gets stuck with August and planning all of camp meeting, and we are so blessed, so thank you. I bet you're looking forward to next year when there's only four Sabbaths in August. Well, Dorothy is a born teacher. Of all of my elementary school classmates, I think Dorothy is the only one who actually ended up being what she said she was going to be when she grew up. Most of us took rather circuitous routes to our current jobs. I was on the seven-year plan through college, I'm sure that was distressing to my parents. Now that I have college-age kids, I realize that. But not Dorothy. She announced early in grade school that she would be a teacher and that is what she is. I absolutely am fascinated to sit and talk with her as she tells me how she takes geography and science and math and history and she puts it all together in one class period to make learning come alive for her students. Dorothy would tell you that she has found her calling. It was simple for her. I'm not sure that it is for most of us. Most of us are not stopped by a bright light on the road to Damascus. We are not anointed by a prophet like David. We don't hear a voice out of the burning bush like Moses. And yet when you look through Scripture there is one example after another of callings like that. Daniel and Joseph and James and John and Esther. I had a hard time finding an example in Scripture where there wasn't a dramatic calling. But I don't believe that's the way it happens for most of us today. It didn't happen for me that way. So how do we find our mission? Those of you who are children and teenagers and young adults who, you may be spending a lot of time thinking about questions like that. What will you do when you get older? Do you ever think of it in terms of a calling or is it just a job? Do you ever think that there actually might be something for you to do right now while you're in the process of getting to the later? But it's not just a question for the young. Once a month or so, every every other month I get together with a good friend and we sit down for breakfast and across the table we look each other in the eye and we say, what are you going to do when you grow up? Now it may sound like a crazy question, but I think it's a fair one because we want to be tuned in to what we're doing and is it what we are called to do. I don't want to get in a rut and be so content with where I am that I miss out on something else that God might have in mind. But the question is also one of the mature. Maybe you have finished your career, and you find yourself wondering, is there something else? Is there a place where I can serve? So in a sense, we're all trying to answer the question, what is my mission in life? Now, when I was a girl going to Oregon camp meeting, one of the highlights was hearing guest speakers and mission stories. We're talking about mission this month, and so I thought it would be good if we heard a mission story. And since you didn't get a guest speaker with me, I thought I'd bring somebody in and just talk with her a little bit about mission, because Olivia Moses is a friend of mine, and she is one of the people, in fact, the first person that I thought of when I thought of someone who is called to their work. So, Olivia, what do you do?
1: I'm in charge of the... Employee wellness program at I think Loma Melinda.
0: I think it'll be on now. So the Employee Wellness Program, that sounds a little unique. How did you get that job?
1: Well it's kind of my testimony, actually. It is um, a story that actually began with going to with going to Loma Linda. I'll just I'll speak loudly. By going to Loma Melinda. And when I graduated, I got a job. And um, when, you, when you graduate, you think you're going to do big things, especially when you're really proud of what you have a degree in. And I got a job working for a very large HMO. And um, I, it was a fairly um, higher-up job, and I thought I had arrived. And this was God's mission for me, to have a, you know, an office with a view and do big things and that type of thing. Um, during my interview process, I had told them I was a Seventh-day Adventist. And um, they assured me that that wouldn't be a problem. And as, after I got my job, I actually started being scheduled on the Sabbath. And um, it was started to be a very big problem. And I had told them that. And long story short, I actually had to resign my position there because of, because of the stand that I took about the Sabbath. And during that time, I was then looking. I was jobless now. Just graduated. And um, it was quite a a dark time for me, searching for what I was supposed to do. Where was God leading? What was he going to do in my life? And um, it was kind of, I call it my walk in the desert, a little bit. And um, out of the blue, I did not apply to Loma Linda. Loma Linda called me and asked if um, they were actually thinking about starting a corporate wellness program at the institution and um, said, would you um, have time to write a proposal to see if we could actually do this program here for our employees? And long story short, God opened every single door that they opened up and created a position for me.
0: Hmm. Sounds like a calling, maybe. So it kind of fell into your lap, but before that, did you ever have a time when you didn't necessarily feel like you were in God's call? Or?
1: Absolutely. During those times when I was unemployed, um, it was a time where um, I was praying and I felt like I wasn't receiving the answer I wanted to hear. And it was a time where, you know, where you get down on your knees and you're crying and you're saying, Lord, use me. I want to be used. I want to be used. And um, it was definitely a time where I didn't feel necessarily I was called at that moment.
0: And during those times, did you think about your mission and what you would do and how that was all gonna to work together?
1: I definitely knew and where my training was. I wanted to be in a position where I could touch people's lives and help people. And um, I, I kept on begging. I begged and um, God made it happen. So what would you say is your mission in life? I think with that um, time that I had in the desert, I never want to say definitively this is God, uh, my mission, but my mission is to, lead, to go wherever God is leading. Thank you for sharing with us. Olivia
0: is an example of one way that people find their calling. Some say that when human need and your heart's desire intersect, then you have found your calling. When human need and your heart's desire intersect, Olivia has found that intersection. She is passionate about health and she has been able to put that with the need of a whole group of people who need to learn about it. Earlier in the service we heard Alice Soderblom talk about the prayers and squares ministry. Here's a whole group of women who love to quilt and found a human need of people where they can pray for those who are hurting. Heart's desire and human need have crossed paths. The interesting thing about this definition of a calling is that it might be a moving target. Have you ever thought about your ch- calling changing over time? But the truth of the matter is that human needs change, and sometimes our heart's desires change. Our lives ebb and flow, and so does our mission. That's reflected here at Cala Church in the way that we do ministry. We encourage members to listen to where God might be nudging, where you might feel a call, and then to serve. And that means that over time, You might want to serve in children's Sabbath schools at one point and do deaconess at another point or uh, outreach at another. We have so many different ways that we can serve. I hope you'll take an opportunity after church, if you haven't already done it, to peruse the booths out there at the ministry fair and see if there might be a place where you would want to be involved. The good news about this way of looking at a calling is that it doesn't matter what stage of life we're in. You might be retired. Some of you are in jobs that don't feel particularly mission-focused. Some of you are stay-at-home moms or students. But we all can be searching for that intersection. Outside of a vocation, we can find ways to meet human needs You may remember the book that we looked at several years ago, Just Walk Across the Room. The premise of the book is that we find something we love to do, and then we find ways to share Jesus through that. The author of the book talked about doing it through his hobby of sailing. But for you, it might be golf, or cooking, or sewing, or music. We take our heart's desire and we intersect that with the need of other people to know Jesus. Now, there are other ways of getting a calling besides finding that intersection. Take Moses, for example. There was a human need. Israelites needed to leave Egypt, but you can tell from reading scripture that he had no burning desire to be the one to do it. I talked last week to a friend of mine here at church who told me that she is sure God called her to her current job in leadership, although she doesn't quite understand it because she doesn't think she has the personality profile of a good leader. And she said every day she's grateful that she feels that calling because her job is not fun. She said she envies these people who go to work and just love what they do. For her, it's a struggle. And yet, she feels that calling, and it's exciting because God equips her to be able to care for other people. And she knows that. Interestingly enough, she takes her heart's desire and she uses that here at church to bless all of us. She has written out quite a lengthy personal mission statement which could be summarized in three ways. She believes her mission is to have a relationship with God, to love her family, and live a balanced life. Pretty clear, pretty simple. Just out of curiosity, how many of you have ever sat and written a personal mission statement for yourself? A few. It's an exercise worth trying. If you go to the website of most any corporation now, you can find a mission statement. It answers the question, why are we here? If you've been around Kalamazoo very long, you know we have a mission statement. Loving God, loving people. Mission statements are helpful because they they help an organization and a person to identify goals and direction for where they're headed. Jesus was clear on his mission. I invite you if you'd like to turn to Luke 4. It will also be on the screen. Luke 4, we'll start with verse 14. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit and news about him spread through the whole countryside. He taught in their synagogues and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth where he had been brought up and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue as was his custom and he stood up to read the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him and he began by saying to them, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Jesus had a clear vision for his ministry. He was to bring good news to the poor. The way Luke uses the word poor in other places in the gospel indicate that Jesus isn't just talking about a socioeconomic class. In other places it refers to something like in the in the sermon on the mount, like poor in spirit. Those who have no delusions of power or control, those for whom everything in life is a gift. And Jesus brings good news. Jesus' mission was to proclaim freedom. Many commentators say this is probably a reference back to Leviticus 25, the year of jubilee. In ancient Israel, every 50th year, there was a jubilee, a time when all the prisoners were freed. The land was given a rest. Debts were forgiven. And Jesus says, I have come to proclaim freedom for the prisoners. If we go further in chapter 4, we get a hint of the fact that Luke is talking more about more than just about people who are slaves or in jail. Because the focus of Jesus' ministry was to release people from the grasp of evil. He brings good news to those who are trapped by pain and despair, who struggle with issues and habits that are unmentionable. Dishonesty, cheating, pornography, substance abuse, binging, emotional abuse. To those who are trapped in the prison of guilt from doing these things, and to the families who feel completely overwhelmed from the consequences of these behaviors, Jesus says, I bring freedom. He also promises sight for the blind. As we read of his ministry, we see several stories where he healed blind people. But in addition, he helped to bring clarity to those whose eyes were already functioning. Because the blindness of narrow-mindedness and bigotry and prejudice is what really brings darkness to people. And Jesus says, I will give you a new way of looking at people. I will give you eyes to see beyond another person's education or race or color. When someone annoys you, I'm going to give you understanding to help figure out what it is that's causing that behavior and what comes behind in their life circumstances. I will open your eyes so you can really see. The focus of Jesus' mission was to those who were poor and captive and sad and oppressed. He ministered to those who were hurting. Interestingly enough, the people in the synagogue there in Nazareth listened politely for a while, and then the scripture says they became furious with his words. And if you read the story, they actually tried to throw him off of a cliff, the religious people were unhappy with Jesus. Sometimes when a church like Calamesa adopts a simple mission statement such as loving God, loving people, there are people there are those who come forward and say is that really what we're about? Is it that simple? It is. Jesus said, "Love one another." as I have loved you. We are called to do what Jesus did, to take care of the brokenhearted, to care for those in need. As we've seen, his ministry was both literal and symbolic. And we have the opportunity to care for the physical needs of people and point them to Jesus, who can take care of matters of the heart. Have you ever met someone who did not like the smell of baking bread? just one of those aromas that is universally appreciated, don't you think? And what a wonderful illustration that Jesus says, I am the bread of life. God has put a hunger in our souls, and like Martin Luther says, we are all mere beggars telling other beggars where to find bread. It's our privilege to tell other people about Jesus, but we can't Simply be people of words. Because we can speak the truth and miss the mark. Imagine, if you will, a helicopter, I'm sorry, a a life raft in the middle of the ocean. And after a couple days, the people on the life raft hear the drone of a helicopter coming. And they're all so relieved, and they grab whatever they can, and they're waving frantically. And sure enough, that helicopter comes right over where they are and hovers. And the hatch opens, and someone behind a very big megaphone leans down and says, You need land! And then the helicopter flies off. Now, it is the most truthful thing that they could hear, but it is also the most cruel. And unless that hatch opens and they lower a basket to rescue the people, the truth does them no good. And when people around us are hurting and we just turn to them and say, you need God, It is probably the most important truth they will ever hear, but unless we show them what he is like and help them get to know him, it will do them no good. We have the opportunity to provide comfort, to share good news, to be fair and unbiased and full of grace and forgiveness. I have to admit I have spent most of my life behind the megaphone. And as I have prepared for this sermon, I have felt a real nudge to more intentional ministry. I don't know just what it will look like, but I've decided I want to be listening and ready. And as I've thought back over the journey that Calamasa Church has been on the last six or eight months, I can't help but wonder if God may be calling all of us to that. What would it take to move us out from behind the megaphone? What would it take for us to find a new calling, or maybe an additional one? For some, that may be the fulfillment of the heart's desire. For others, it may not be quite so fun, but we may have the satisfaction of knowing that we are living like Jesus and doing what he asks us to do. Jesus was very clear about his mission. He was here to soothe and to serve and to heal and comfort. No matter what stage of life we are in, it all comes down to this one thing. Our mission is to be like Jesus. Amen. our prayer Lord we want to be like Jesus and we ask that your spirit will fill us that we will have discernment and wisdom and courage and strength to follow where you have led and where you are leading in Jesus name we pray amen